0: And uh, as the video said earlier, we had a great uh, missions emphasis Sunday. Hopefully you made it. Uh, some of you were able to stay both services and, and got the blessing of everything uh, that was going on that day. And then in, in the evening service, again, another great blessing. And so uh, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for our missionaries. Uh, there's a, a great work that's uh, going on all around the world. And it's, it's such a challenge today, uh, just like it is for churches. Uh, but it's in a foreign field, and some of them can't go anywhere, can't do anything. And so, our, uh, our missionaries need our prayers and they need our support. And so, as I said last week, I want to encourage you if you're not giving to missions, to, to start giving to missions. If you are giving to missions, pray that God will allow you to give more to missions. And don't just pray, but give. You never know what a dollar a week or five dollars a week. Uh, will do. I mean just skip the drink that you buy at Starbucks or whatever and there you go. You can, you can help support missions and uh, it's just a, an amazing thing that we get to be a part of the, the kingdom of God around the world. Uh, on that note I did want to say a couple of things um, about missions. Uh, you know we have different missionaries come in and there's different um, approaches and different kind of uh, ways that they uh, go about uh, missions it's still the the great commission that's still getting the gospel out and training uh, discipling others who are saved and uh, building churches and training other again all of that's included but there's different gifting in different ways and so sometimes we we look at missionaries and hear what they're doing and hear what they say and think oh well they are doing it right or they're doing it wrong and uh, if they're if they're carrying out the great commission they're doing it right and uh, it may look a little bit different but we again uh, are blessed to be a part of that Um, I also want to say this, and I mentioned the evening service last week, Uh, we have resumed evening services, and we we called our prayer service, Um, but it's still, we still have the Word of God, we still have worship and singing, Uh, we're praying together, and uh, it's a vital, vital, vital part of what we do as a church, and so uh, if you didn't realize that we started back on evenings, I want to encourage you, be here. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in this morning's message, because We've gone back, we're kind of studying through the book of Acts to see what the church uh, looked like at the very beginning. And I think it's such an important thing for us to, to examine because that is the very beginning of the church. That's our heritage as Christians. This is where it began. This is what it looked like. And so for us today, at the end, I believe, the end of time on earth, it's important for us to, to kind of examine what the church looked like in the beginning and what do we look like today today. And that's a, a great challenge because, again, they had just seen the resurrected Christ. They had seen miracles firsthand, all, all kinds of things. But there were some key elements to this first church that are vital for us to have today. And we saw one of those things was prayer. And we're going to get into that uh, this morning. But uh, just a reminder, if you were here uh, a couple weeks ago and we were going through this, uh, the, the powerful and challenging message that Peter gave to those people there gathered on the day of Pentecost uh, moved, and the Lord used that in an amazing way. Uh, Again, amazing thought that these Jews, thousands, multitudes were gathered on this one day, and they were pricked in their heart, the Bible says they were convicted, and in one day, 3,000 souls were added to the church, were baptized. They were saved, baptized, and added to the church, and it's something that we kind of went through. Baptism is that first command, that first step of obedience, if you will, once you get saved, now, we need to clarify that sometimes there's a misunderstanding that uh, maybe you're a guest here or maybe you have you know, professed Christ and you've never been baptized and, and you have a misunderstanding of what baptism is. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not complete your salvation. Baptism does not wash you spiritually. Baptism is a step of obedience. It's a way of, of, of us following Jesus Christ in obedience, identifying ourselves with him as our Lord and Savior. Again, it's a public profession of the fact that we've placed all of our confidence in Christ. And so again, that's what those 3,000 people did. They said, no longer are we going to be identified for ourselves, no longer are we going to live for ourselves, but we are identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ, Him as our Lord, Him as our Savior, and that's how we're going to be known from this point forward. We've been talking about, again, how God is the God of the impossible and doing these things in this first church and uh, it's it, similar today, we, we see certain things going on and movements of God around the, the country and around the world. And we say, man, I, I wish we could experience something like that. Man, I wish God would move in our community like that. I wish God would do something like that in our church like that. And, 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 and sadly enough, it, between churches sometimes, there is envy. There, there are people that look at this large church they look at this thing going on over here and think, man, we need to be like that. We're talking about the God of the impossible. We're talking about a God who moved 2,000 years ago and did some amazing things that's still working in the same God, same ways today. He's the God of the supernatural. What doesn't seem possible to us, he's able to do according to his will. And so, again, that's what we've seen. That's what we've talked about. Uh, we've seen that the disciples were faithful to obey when Jesus told them go back and wait for the promise of the, com- the, the comforter. And uh, again, so their obedience, in their obedience, God worked and did that impossible work of saving 3,000 souls in one day. But God wasn't done. God wasn't finished with this first church. They wasn't done there in Jerusalem. Um, but I, I do definitely want to point out that too. That the key to this unlocking of uh, God's hand moving in supernatural ways was their faith and their obedience. The fact that they listened to what Jesus said, trusted him, and they obeyed. That's exactly what unlocked the key uh, for those first 120 believers uh, to see God work in, in supernatural ways. This morning, we're going to see this, the Holy Spirit continue to permeate and work in and work through that first church. They had something that was key. Again, we, we've talked about it along the way, different keys, different things that they were doing. But we're going to see some more of that this morning. And I, I, I'm so excited for this. I hope that you uh, will take notes, that you'll follow along, that you'll be engaged. Because... Uh, This is yet another one of those keys to the first church uh, being used of God in such a great way. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to read this verse, we'll pray. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all that you do. Again, we thank you for what we've experienced um, this past week with our missions and missionaries that were here. Lord we are just humbled again to be a part of of your kingdom and to be called to fulfill your your mission. Lord we uh, we know that we are nothing without you. Uh, You're everything and I pray that we would live uh, accordingly. I pray that we would see this morning what you want us to see here what you want us to hear. God that we will not only just see and hear those things but we'll apply them, that we'll take action, that we won't just think it's some spiritualized story that was 2,000 years ago, but you're the same God today, the same spirit active and working in your people and through your people today, but it does require us to be all in. It requires us to be fully trusting and obedient to you. So Lord, help us to, to see what you have and respond, and we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the, if you look back in verse 42, there's, there's two words that stand out right off the bat. It says, they, all of them together, continued steadfastly. Now, th- those two words, you might can say, well, I understand what that means. That's not hard to understand. But it, it literally means that they were continually devoted to it. They were this they they all together not just most of them not just the leadership of the church but all the whole believers. Now remember this at this point in time is over 3000 people all of them together it says continually were devoted to something. We would say it like this. This is what was consuming that first church. It it consumed their time It whom their thoughts, their desires, their effort. It it was what their life was all about. And and, and we can kind of put it in our terms today. There's there's certain seasons of our life that that we go through and we realize that our life has become all about this. Right? You first get married and and what happens? Your life is now all about that. You know, you have your first child and your life is all about that. Maybe you get a new job and, and there's a lot of demand, a lot of responsibility and your life tends to become all about that. This this first church was consumed with these things. They were continually devoted to these things. And what's interesting about this first church as well is the majority of the church were new converts. They were baby Christians, right? They weren't like fully mature, fully discipled. They, They weren't all leaders. The majority of the church were new converts. And they had this new passion for Jesus Christ. They, they loved him. They, they were embraced in his love. They were enamored with the fact that their sins were forgiven. And this passion burned in them every single day for Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask you this morning, if you're a Christian, do you remember that first passion in your life for Christ? You remember, can, you, can you just take a second? And think back to that, that time in your life that you gave your life to Christ. And maybe like, like me, you were a kid. And you were 10 years old. Or you were 8 years old. Or you were 5 years old. whatever it is. Or maybe you were a teenager. And you can think back to that time when you once and for all remember surrendering all to Christ. And you remember that, that, that moment that you, you came to realization that all of your sins had been washed away, all of your sins had been forgiven. And, and you were excited, you were so full of excitement with, with, with the truth that you knew that you had eternal life. If someone came up to you and asked you again, do you know where you're gonna spend eternity if you were to die today, you remember that, that excitement that you could say, I can say yes. I remember that time, I remember when I was this years old, I remember when this time of my life and, and all I wanted to do was go to church and sing songs and all I wanted to do is read my Bible and, 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 and even though I didn't understand everything, I was this or I was that or, or, or maybe, maybe you remember that, that season of your life that you were so excited to tell other people what happened to you. Maybe you were shy but you still were like, man, come to church with me. Hey, come hear about what, what just happened to me. And if you can't remember that time, I really want to challenge you to ensure that you know, that you know, that you know that heavens are going to be your eternal home because it's clear in Scripture over and over again. It's clear in the lives of people who's, whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ that something indeed changes. Something indeed is different. When you give your life over to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes inside and, and, and does this washing work and gives you eternal life and lives inside of you, there's a passion. There's a change. There's something that happens in the life of the person who's born again. But again, one of those clear things I think is is seen, and it looks different for different people because different people express emotion and passion differently. But I think it's clear that there is an excitement. Your life becomes all about Jesus, his word, his church, the gospel. And if you can remember that time that you first got saved, And that passion you had, the next question I want to ask is, what changes? Or what has changed? What what has changed in, in, in your life that has maybe brought you to a place where you're not passionate about the Lord? You're not passionate about His church, His people. You're not passionate about His word and the gospel and the fact that you've been changed and you've been forgiven. You're not passionate about that anymore. Maybe you can look at your life right now and you can honestly say, My life has become my work. That's what my passion is. My life has become my hobby. That's what my passion is. My life has become my family. That's what my passion is. Do we mature beyond the passion for Christ? Do we, do we move beyond this first passion? Again, how do marriage relationships go or how are they supposed to go? Are are we supposed to move beyond a passion for our spouse? Or are we supposed to grow deeper in love and greater and deeper devotion as we go through time in, in, in our marriage? This morning I hope that you'll evaluate your passion. For Christ I hope this morning you'll look at your devotion to God's word you'll look at your devotion to his church you'll look at your devotion to the gospel and the Great Commission is your passion for those things burning unrivaled in your life can you not wait to get into God's Word can you not wait to pray can you not wait to lift your voice to, to praise your Savior your God Can you not wait to fellowship with a family of God that he's placed you in? Can you not, are you burning with passion that's unrivaled in your life? Again, ask yourself, examine your life. Is there something or someone that you burn with passion more for than the Lord? One of the ways that we can tell that, of course, not just by what's going on in our heart and our mind, what's consuming us that way, but also the time and in the investment that we make. Maybe, maybe we're more invested. Maybe we put more for ourselves. Maybe again as I said while ago. It's an earthly relationship. That the Lord indeed has blessed us with. Because it is a blessing to have a spouse. It is a blessing from God to have kids. It is a blessing to have an earthly family. But none of the blessings of God. Are supposed to trump. Our commitment and passion for him. Nothing. It's all to be centered on him. Again, if you don't know this passion for Christ, what are you missing or what has changed? This first church, these first followers, they were constantly devoting themselves, again, they, together. They, they didn't have different agendas. They weren't on different pages. They were all together, constantly devoting themselves to a few things. The first thing that we see that they were the, devoting themselves to together constantly devoting themselves to was doctrine number one was doctrine doctrine is another word for teaching or that which is taught and so when we say they were constantly devoting themselves together this is what was consuming their time this was consuming their thoughts this is what they were again devoted to was teaching the doctrines of christ teaching the word of god the things that he had left himself for them to to follow after and teach you know, the sad thing today is that there's a lot of people that attend church that don't want anything to do with doctrine. They, they want a lot to do with entertainment. They want a lot to do with programs and activities, but they don't want a lot to do with doctrine. I want a church that has great music, has a great drama program, that has a preacher that keeps me engaged, but I don't really care a whole lot about teaching us the Word of God. I just, I want to walk away. And they may not say that with their mouths. They may not have that But that's what they desire. That's what they want in their church experience. And this is something I I put out there, and I want to make sure that we understand the importance of doctrine. That's what I believe is, listed first, they were constantly devoting themselves to doctrine because doctrine is the tie that binds, but it's also the sword that divides. Because there's a lot of people today that don't understand the importance of doctrine, and so they dismiss it. Oh, well, we're just all Christians. It doesn't matter. Listen, doctrine is the tie that binds. If we hold to the teachings of the Word of God then there is nothing that can come between us. But as soon as we start to define or or decide what we think is right according to Scripture instead of what Scripture actually says, then it begins to divide. And I think that's what we see a lot of in uh, both Christian churches today and also pseudo-Christian churches today. Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 10. He says, think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth, I came not to send peace but a sword, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Remember what I said a while ago? What is our passion, our devotion? If we're devoted to our, our family or those blessings that God has given us more than we are to him, there's something wrong. Jesus himself is saying this. If you love the, the earthly relationships that he's blessed you with more than you actually love him, he says, it's not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You know, why, why is that so important? Because when it boils down to faith, there is not to be faith or confidence or trust placed in any other except for Jesus Christ. Discipleship and faith in Christ, it has this great foe. What is the great foe of our allegiance, our, our, our discipleship, our, our faith in Christ? What is, the, what is this foe that, that plays against us on this earth? I believe one of the greatest foes is our allegiance and our affection to man. Look how tempting it is for us even as Americans when it comes to elections, right? We, we, it's easy for us to say the words, my hope is in Jesus Christ, not in a presidential candidate. But how much do we put weight in those things? I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray and that we shouldn't be, you know, uh, des- desiring what honors God and all those things. Absolutely. But listen, there should be no greater affection and allegiance to man. It shouldn't trump our, our, our election. I mean, our, our um, uh, that name threw me for a loop. Trump election. <laughs> Nothing should trump uh, our, our affection and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Because what happens is that becomes an enemy that plays against us in our, in our confidence in Christ. And doctrine is a great glue. It's also that great sword that can even divide families. And maybe you have experienced that or know that right now. <laughs> maybe you have a family member that they just will take what Scripture says and either disregard it or make it say what they want it to say. And it causes problems in your relationship because of that. And, and that's what Jesus, is similar to what he was saying, is, and, and not just that, but even, even himself. There, there are those of us who have family members that because we are devoted to Christ, and, and, and they are not, they think that we are religious bigots, or because we, we, that we don't love our family, or, or whatever the case may be. They, they form this opinion, they think this about us because of our commitment and devotion to Christ. It has divided families, and that's what Jesus was saying but doctrine points out absolutes. It points out truth, period. And truth separates while it unites at the same time. See, God's word unites unlikely sinners while it will divide family ties. So amazing, right? There, the, all of us are, are, are sinners. If we're Christians, we're sinners saved by grace. And and here we are, united in a family, devoted to each other, devoted to to the king, to our king, together. And and while we have this this spiritual, eternal unity, this, this tie that binds, while we have that, as I said while ago, some of us have families that don't want to have anything to do with this because of that commitment to Christ. Many people may protest, well, that's not right. You shouldn't be separated from your earthly family There's no higher bond found than the bond of the family of God because of the Spirit of God. And if, and if we aren't experiencing that, if we're not more united by the blood of Jesus Christ than we are with temporal blood that runs through our veins, then we have got to examine, are we devoted like the first church was? Doctrine is that that life-giving fountain. It it, it makes straight the paths of righteousness. Doctrine helps us, it leads us, it keeps us in sweet fellowship with Almighty God. That's what doctrine does. Because at its heart, at the heart of, of truth, of doctrine, is the heart of God. It reveals who He is. I love what George Whitefield said about doctrine in light of this. He said, it is an undoubted truth that every doctrine that comes from god leads to god and that which does not tend to promote holiness is not of god again the first church was devoted continually to doctrine they understood man it's all about us having the word of god with us the word of god was in flesh in human form and he left but he left us the truths, the doctrines that were so important while he walked with us and talked with us. And now it's our job to preserve them, to teach them, to encourage each other with them because it helps us know God and know his ways. Church, we would be wise to do the same thing that that first church did, be devoted to doctrine together. Man, there's nothing more important because there's, we have no understanding of who God is really and and what his heart is without his word. Are you continually devoted to knowing him, to his word, to his ways? But it also said that they were continually devoted to number two, fellowship. Fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, all words that can uh, define fellowship. Fellowship. One of the greatest things that God has blessed us as a church, as his people, together, is fellowship. While we aren't to to live for one another, we are to only live for Christ, we are to live with one another in harmony, in unity, to walk beside each other through this life. That's the intention. That's what Jesus Christ demonstrated when he told his followers, come and follow me. And, and, and some people walked up to him and said, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. And what was Jesus' answer? Look, I don't even have a place to lay my head. This is, this is the picture that Jesus gave to his followers, that we would be together no matter what, that we would have a unity and a bond and a family that was unique to anything else in this world. I believe his desire, and you can even see that in the Old Testament, was that families, would experience that together. And, and we have many of that in, in our, in our uh, church here today, that the, the family unit is devoted to God together with the church family. That's the picture that God wants us to have. That's the life he wants us to live. John the Beloved explained the truth of, of what true community is, what, what, it, what it means to, to have fellowship with God and fellowship uh, in the body of Christ. In 1 John chapter 1, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that, You also might have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So, one of the important elements of being together and having this fellowship that only happens in the family of God is joy. So, I want to tell you something if you're missing the joy of gathering with the saints then something is wrong with the fellowship. Something is wrong with maybe your approach, your thought, your heart. Uh, Something is off if if joy is not the the, the result of gathering with the people of God. If joy is not the result, something's wrong with your fellowship. And I want to make this point very clear as well. Doctrine is what facilitates fellowship. True fellowship. See, without, without us having something to be united around, without us centering on Christ and his word, then we can't grab hold of what true fellowship. Other, uh, uh, it, without that, it's like any other social gathering that we have in this world. If we can't agree on truth, then we can't have true community. True communion, true bonds. Doctrine has to be the factor in fellowship because there's, again, no true fellowship that exists within the body of Christ without doctrine. Fellowship that the 12 apostles had with Jesus, it all pivoted on him. That's, That's what the 12 disciples, that's how they had their fellowship was it all centered on Christ. It's hard for us today in 2020 to have a deep, true, sincere bond of fellowship even among professing believers if there isn't a consent to doctrine, an agreement on truth. And I submit this morning, church, that's exactly why there's division among churches today. Think about it. Churches can't agree on what the Bible says. Churches can't agree on what what principles to hold. The churches can't agree on, on what the Bible says and so while, while one church says well this is what scripture says and another church says well we think it actually is this or for that. If we can't agree on that then we can't have that fellowship. And all boils down to what man wants versus what God wants. J. Vernon McGee said this there's a brotherhood within the body of believers and the Lord Jesus Christ is the common denominator. Friendship and fellowship are the legal tender among believers, our our closest friends, our closest fellowship, it should be evident within the body of Christ. Because there's one uniting factor that never changes. Our circumstances change, our feelings change, our emotions change, all that stuff changes. But Jesus Christ never changes. Our relationship with him, is It's eternal. And so is our relationship with each other as believers. And so when we lose the fellowship, when we get disconnected, it's not him that's the problem. It's not his church that's the problem. It's us. If I feel like I'm not connected to the fellowship, if I feel like I'm not getting joy out of gathering with the people of God, then I have to do an examination of myself. And so do you. His spirit hasn't changed, his word hasn't changed, his will hasn't changed, he hasn't changed. So if we're not getting from the church what he intends to get, and you say, well, then it's the church's problem. So that, that's, the, that's the rationale that we have to go with with everything. If, if all of the church is wrong, everybody in the church is wrong, but we're right, what does that say about our worldview? That maybe we're the center of our world, that we're all about us. Again, we gotta remember these things were only made possible because they were together. They were assembled together. They were together physically, like we are today. But beyond that, that, that physical togetherness poured over, then beyond just the, the doctrine and the, and the fellowship. I do want to say something real quick before we move on. If you're not devoting yourself to faithfully studying God's word, then I, I want to urge you this morning to start. Because that's going to be the foundation for you being able to faithfully devote yourself to assembling with this body. And if you're not, then please start. Because if we're not together, Satan has his foot in the door. If if we're not on the same page striving for the same thing, then Satan has a foot in the door. Because you know why? He knows that distance leads to disconnect. And whenever we begin to get disconnected from each other, physically and then spiritually, then he can come in and start sowing division. And he can start, with division, destroying local fellowships and that's exactly what happens that you know what happened you know what's happened during this pandemic sadly maybe you've read about it maybe you haven't there have been so many churches have to actually close their doors every year there's thousands of churches in america that close their doors anyways because they can't they can't keep up they they can't pay the bills they can't you know they just dissolve thousands upon thousands of churches close in, in the u.s every year but during this pandemic it's been astronomically more you know why because people got disconnected And Satan used the opportunity of that disconnect to destroy. I talked to pastors who were struggling, and said, "Man, I don't know if we're going to make it." Someone reached out on different forums that I'm a part of, and they they said, "Guys, I need your prayer." And I, you know, we we started back services, and people have moved on to other churches, and they were not coming back. That disconnect, Corrie ten boom put it right when she said this when a christian shuns fellowship with other christians the devil smiles when he stops studying the bible the devil laughs and when he stops praying the devil shouts for joy the enemy has enough ammunition today to come at us let's not give him more amen let's let's not give him more with our lack of of continually devoting ourselves to these things third of all breaking of bread and I'm in a hurry now you know what yeah let's do that we'll we'll hurry I got messed up with the time breaking of bread this is not just eating together which we can do really well right I love breaking bread (laughs) especially bread see this is the thing if bread if bread is something that they broke in the Bible then why is it so bad for us today i got this no carb, no bread. I'm like, but that's unbiblical. <laughs> they broke the bread. Just obeying the Lord. But it's not just eating in, 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 together in, in common meals, but it is also breaking bread and communion, like we talk about in experience in, in the Lord's Supper. Um, there's a special unity. There's a special bond that's enjoyed by those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, when we gather in sweet fellowship, hum, humble, uh, humble, sweet fellowship, not only around the Lord's Supper, but also around just a supper table. Uh, if you're not experiencing that with people in this church, I urge you to start. If you're not connecting with people and saying, hey, you want to come over? Hey, y'all want to go eat? Hey, you want to do this? If you're not experiencing that, you are missing a large part of being a member of a local body. A large part. That first church, were, were, they were devoted to it. They, they were continually devoting to not only doctrine that was vital, that helped them be united, they were, they were devoted to that fellowship that, that, that is found within the doctrine. They, they, they were together, they were on the same page, they, they had that joy that came from that fellowship, and part of that fellowship. Was them spending time together, actually eating together. Outside of breaking the, the, the bread at the Lord's Supper, they spent time together. Why? Because they had fellowship. Because they had doctrine. Because they were together. They were unified. There was a special bond inside that church. I believe that still exists or is still possible inside of churches today. And some of us experience it. If you're not experiencing that, this may be one of those elements that's missing. We call them... Fellowship times in our church. Unfortunately, uh, we broke up our. Well, it's fortunate we're using the building, but we used to have a larger fellowship hall. But now it's smaller, and when we have fellowships, it's it's broken up. We're we're we're, we're uh, working to change that because we're building a, a gym, a community center up the street where we can all gather together and fellowship again. Um, but this is important. This time of sitting down and enjoying the company of other believers that are. In the same local fellowship as you. It's hard to substitute that time. You sit down at a table and start eating a good chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and gravy. Or start digging into some warm fajitas and flour tortillas and chips and salsa. Walk a moly. <laughs> there's there's something that happens, not just you know, physically. There's a there's a there's this this company, this the sweet fellowship, part of the blessings that God has intended for us to have as a body. That's what they were deno- deny, I mean devoting themselves to. That's what they were committed to constantly. And so when we deny ourselves this gathering together and, and breaking bread, not, not just the Lord's Supper, but common meals, then we're missing this, this, great, this great element in our life. One of the, one of the things that we practice, um, or we should be practicing, is not only gathering together for doctrine, gathering together for fellowship, breaking bread... But we also fast. Isn't that interesting? How we enjoy that meal so much with other people, whatever it fried steak, fajitas, what, hamburgers, whatever, whatever we're eating—we we enjoy that so much. Again, it's a, it's a physical blessing that God has given to us on this earth. And so, when we consider fasting, what we're saying is, I, I have a greater spiritual need than I have this physical blessing, physical desire. Um, I. I want to share this about that because it is it does point out the importance of us praying and fasting as believers as well. Andrew Murray said, "Prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God." So they were continually devoted to doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and then also, last of all, as a close prayer mentioned prayer and fasting together a while ago because that's what the first church was doing that's what was a part of their lives today that should be a part of our lives and um, tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about that element in, in prayer because uh, it's so important with what's going on in the church what's going on even in our nation I think that again we express a greater spiritual need when we fast than when we do a physical need and so uh, again the first two chapters we've seen that the church He's either together waiting for God, preaching God's word, eating together, or praying together. Think about that. They were waiting for God while they were either preaching God's word, eating together, or praying together. It sounds like a fun experience. So why is prayer so important? I mentioned earlier that we have our, our Sunday evening prayer service. And you, maybe you've come and you're like, ah, oh, it's just, it's different. I don't like it. Listen. Prayer is mentioned 32 times in the book of Acts, 32 times in 28 chapters. 28 chapters in the book of Acts contain 32 instances of prayer being instituted, talked about, observed, whatever. And we understand that this book is essentially a documentary documentary. It's a documentary, an overview of the church's beginning. And in this documentary, uh, in in this overview of the first church, there's an absolute recurring theme that was going on in this church. And that absolute recurring theme was the church being together, unified in prayer. Jesus never suggested that his disciples communicate with him. He never suggested it. He expected it. He, he never said, well, if you want to, if you'd like to, when you guys are gathered together, it might be a good option. No, he never suggested it. he always expected them to communicate with him, both individually and collectively, because it was vital. Why, why would Jesus have to suggest that we communicate with him individually or collectively? If he is our, our everything, if he is our Savior, our Lord, why would he have to say, hey, by the way, guys, don't forget to talk to me, you know? Why would Jesus have to do that if he was the center of our everything? If he was the reason why we were gathered uh, t- today, why would we ever have to say, hey, prayer is important for us to observe as a church? Matthew chapter six, many of you know it. Jesus was teaching his people how to pray. And again, with that expectation, not with the suggestion, the expectation he says, and when thou prayest, when you do this, Verse 6, he says, and when thou prayest, verse 7, when you pray. Again, there's an expectation that part of what the individual will do, part of what the church does is pray together. And not just the the, the prayers that we pray to begin the worship service, and, and, and those are vital, that's important. We are gathering together for that, but I'm talking about us praying together. The same things with the same heart. Again, that's why Sunday evening, I believe, is so vital. I could not wait to get back to Sunday evenings. I, I shared with somebody man, in, in, in my flesh, I, I enjoyed the no Sunday evenings. I did. I, I get why a lot of people skip out. I get, I get why a lot of churches do away with those, those, those Sunday evenings. It just it, it's one of those things that, man. That was nice. I don't take Sunday naps. But well, you know what I did during quarantine? I took Sunday naps. i whoa, that's why people love these things. But we have this evening prayer time, and I, wanna, I just want to urge you, church, it's vital. We've got to pray together. We've got to spend time around God's word, praying God's will together. That is if we really believe scripture. That, that's what we've got to do. Listen, either what the first church experience is real and the power that came through their prayer together was real or it's a fairy tale. Either what we see in Acts, them praying together and seeing the power of God expressed in their life and through their life, either it's real or it's a fairy tale. But guess what? Our response, my response, reveals our belief. Either we believe it was real or we don't first church saw the importance and the power of prayer on a supernatural level, level and so they continually devoted themselves to it so the ingredients were that this first church was devoted to doctrine fellowship breaking of bread prayer and what was produced is found in the, in the last few verses when we're done fear came upon every soul so when they were devoted continually devoted themselves to these things then fear came upon every soul and many Wonders and signs were done by the apostles note that by the apostles not everyone in the church But by the apostles with apostolic gifts And all that believed were together I love that everybody who is a christian was together they were in unity and not only that they had all things common and so much that they sold the possessions the extra things they had the goods that they had and they parted all men as every man had need. so there was people who didn't have uh the, the 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 clothes or the i don't have a coat and it's it's winter time and and so people would say hey i got coat hey i can sell this stuff and i can buy you some stuff like this because i got extra whatever they were concerned about the welfare of one another spiritually first and then physically second again it reveals a devotion that produced a real result i want us not to miss the sincere devotion in this we have to devote ourselves wholeheartedly to the lord and to each other like this first church did and you may not like this statement but listen we don't need the government to dictate that we should be taking care of the poor We as Christians should help those who cannot help themselves. Not those who can but don't, don't try, but those who cannot help themselves, who are trying. There's a difference between that. There's a difference between somebody who just wants a handout and somebody who's trying and, and can't and needs help. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Second Thessalonians, Paul had to tell the Thessalonians look, somebody's not working, they don't get apart. If any would not work, neither should he eat. There should be this common care for the body, there should be this, this mutual taking care of others and, and for those in need. Remember, again, this was the product of this first church being continually devoted to doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. This is what resulted. And so it goes on to show us what the product was in verse 46 and 47. I love it. And they, listen what happens. They they were devoted to these things. Fear came upon every soul. People's needs were met. The poor were taken care of. All of this happened, but also inside the church, they were continuing daily with one accord. That means that they were on the same page, that same heart, same passion, same they were living for the same thing. In the temple, together, they were at church, together, daily, breaking bread, and also going from house to house, it says. And they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Again, another product was that they were praising and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Miraculous results. Daily adding to the church by salvation. There's still multitudes of people there that didn't get saved in that first wave of 3,000 people. And God kept adding them to the church through the faithful dedication of the people of God. The faithful commitment to, to, to doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer together. And what resulted was true community and life change on a daily basis. Simple ingredients, compound results. Right, Simple ingredients, compound results. Think about that. It's like saying, well, all you put in there is flour, salt, pepper, and a little baking soda. Oh, man. That sounds pretty basic. Yeah, but man, what, what, what will result is something amazing. It doesn't make sense. It needs something else. Look, if we simply do it the way that the Lord gives us the ingredients to to do it with the results i believe still today will be multiplied i want a biblical church devoted to christ above all that has a eternal mission and eternal vision a people that are committed to him and to each other so that he gets the glory from it all we've got to be devoted like that how about you is this are, are you there Are you you continually devoting yourself to to the doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer? If one of those elements are missing, individually or collectively, I challenge you today, let's change that. If if you've never invited a, a church member to dinner, start that. If you're not committing yourself to daily being in the Word of God or daily praying, start that. If you're not committed to gathering here with us and being in in, in doctrine and, and praying, again, in our evening service or in our morning, all of it, then start. That is if we really believe it's true and the results can be the same. We've got to respond in faith. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here, Lord. We pray that you would move now. As we respond to your word, this message, I pray that uh, we would see the example in this first church. And that if something needs to change in our life, start with, starting with me, Lord, then, then let us change. So help us change today. Lord, if we're not devoted to the right things together, then I pray that, again, that would, that would change this morning. I pray you just move now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand this morning as he sings. for this day. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. Um, Lord, we thank you for the uh, opportunity to just gather here, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that you've given us. And Lord, we just pray that you would help our family be uh, devoted to these things, God, that would be something that is just a passion in our lives, God. Not something we do, not something that we go through the motions of, but God, we're devoted, passionately passionate, just do a great work churches. Just thank you for our girls and thank you for their heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all may be seated. Um, I I want to say something uh, real quick. I want to pray for Miss Griselle Darwin. We got a message this morning um, that she was uh, taken to Harris ER uh, with uh, some blood infection or something. So I will pray for her in just a minute. I do want to encourage you to be here tonight. Such an important service, such a special service. um, And I want to encourage you to be engaged in it. Another thing I want to do this morning before I pray, and we'll have an announcement video, is we have a new member that went through our new members class, got the letter back, and just want to recognize her, and that way you can meet her if you haven't already met her, Um, and uh, again, however, you know, we just haven't, we haven't asked people to come down here again because some people don't want to shake hands, some people don't want to hug, and so you can approach her however you want to, I can tell you she's not going to care how you approach her. Um, and so uh, she that, that's, uh, again, up to you. But I do want to encourage you to introduce yourself, meet her, and welcome her into our church family. But I ask her to stand real quick, and that is Miss Dawn Roberts. Amen. Welcome. Amen. 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 Uh, sweet lady. And so, again, just go by and, and meet her and welcome her. Um, we'll pray, and then we'll have our announcement video. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this uh, study in this example that we have the challenge that we see in and i pray that uh, your spirit would move in our lives and we would respond in the right way god that we would evaluate our our continued devotion to the right things in this church lord help us to uh, not only see that uh, come to fruition but also uh, your spirit work in our lives and through our lives to bring about miraculous results that bring glory to your name and uh, lord we pray for miss grizel this morning we pray that you would be with her and heal her Help her, um, give her the comfort she needs. I pray you guide the doctors um, and to, to be able to treat her properly and, and get rid of that infection in her blood. Lord, we pray um, that you'll just take us safely home now, uh, those that are going, and uh, we'll we'll praise you for all this. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.